Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, it's us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. So welcome to it, folks. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Alongside me this Monday evening, as he usually is, Troy, how are you? I'm all right, how are you? I'm all right, I'm all right. I mean, just all right. I'm not, like, great. I know what you mean. Yeah. I mean, you don't always have to be great. No. You know where we left off last week, though? was uh, tribalism. Tribes. Like the back and forth that goes on almost without people thinking. Like they just are fitting into a mold. It's almost like they're... Like I watched wrestling. I watched the Elimination Chamber last night. And I've seen wrestlers do this where they'll be themselves in an interview like their actual selves and then they'll turn on the character. And it could be, like, night and day. That seems kind of rational, though. That, and it is. I mean, but they know they're playing a role. I think what a lot of people these days do is they know they're playing a role, but they've, they've so conflated their persona, their ideological persona, with who they actually are, that they don't know the difference anymore. I totally agree. And if they even begin to think slightly differently... Mm-hmm. It's like they they almost, at this point, almost self-correct because they don't want to be ostracized from the group. Well, a perfect example is today. This uh, Jesse Smollett case, more facts or more twists have come to light. It keeps getting weirder. It really does. It started out pretty weird. Okay, yeah, the initial reports were Jesse Smollett, the star of Empire. I don't really... I don't think he... I think he's got a small part. He's he plays a star on Empire. He's like a musician. I've never seen the show. I nor have I. I mean, I know who uh, Taji Henderson is, or what is Taraji P. Taraji? Yeah. yeah, I know who she is. Who yeah. doesn't? I like her, except she had her own run-in with faking stuff. Oh, really? What yeah. is the? This is what I mean by you get so caught up. And it, I've been reading. A, I read a lot of Carl Jung this weekend. I've been yeah joy. Yeah, exactly. I went from reading depth psychology and like comparative psychological analysis of the book of Job from the Bible. I also read the book of Job. Fascinating enough. And this is cool moments, stuff you forget in your own life. The Bible I have, I believe, was given to my great-grandfather, who I called Papa Joe. My mom's side, by my Uncle Bill. Some of you might know him as Father Bill or Monsignor Bill Skinecki. He, when he, I think, became a priest, gave them this Bible, gave my great-grandfather, and somehow it has been bequeathed to me. And I forgot that I had it, and that's, but I saw it on the shelf, and I was looking at the notes, and it's a study Bible. So it gives you the standard, like, here's when we think this was written, 
here's the general lesson from it, blah, 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 blah. It's sort of a teaching Bible. Right. And so I read the book of Job and was like, that's a crazy book. That is a crazy book. Like, everybody kind of knows the story and everybody remembers it. But when you actually sit down and read it, wow. That's a crazy book. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be Job. No, I wouldn't want to be Job either. Because... Uh, or even just a person in his circle. Right. Because <laughs> well, no, they're in trouble too. The people that look the worst in the book of Job are not... It's not Yahweh, obviously. It's not the devil because that's what the satan does he messes this is i mean satan looks bad but satan always looks bad so it's like well there he is being bad again yep messing with god's creation but the people that look the worst are job's friends because after job loses his entire like offspring like all his sons and daughters are killed all of his land and livestock is taken away that doesn't sway him, so they have him break out with these terrible, like, skin, like, boils and diseases, and it literally describes that he's scraping these skin lesions with broken pottery, and he's just wishing and literally damning the day he was ever born. Not God, just, I wish this would be over and that this has never happened. What did I do wrong? I didn't do anything wrong. His friends don't come around, and they, uh... Instead of being like, man, you've been through it. <laughs> like, can, here's a hug. Like, can we help you? No, his friends are like, well, God is just. You must have done something, you sinner. Yeah. It's like, oh, ow. Well, and they didn't really have the germ theory of disease back then. So if I were to see a man with skin lesions, I wouldn't want to give him a hug either. No, right. I, that was a smart play on the devil's it's part. Probably. It's probably. Okay, yeah. that's part, whatever. Probably. Yeah, but yeah, so I went from that to reading Carl Jung's analysis of that to watching WWE. <laughs> it was a weird weekend. But I was also thinking about the nature of, of tribes and like the tribalism at, that we have today and how it plays itself out. So the Jesse Smollett case is a perfect example. When the first reports come out, they come out from TMZ. And he's been accosted by what he, they think are two white men who threw racial and homophobic slurs at him, poured bleach on him, wrapped a noose around his neck, all these things. But TMZ gets the story before the police are even called. TMZ gets the story on a lot of things, though. And fair enough. I mean, they're a, they're a bad rag. Mm -hmm. But, like... The Ray Rice thing. Right. All sorts Where of like punched crazy. punched his girlfriend in the elevator. Yeah, all sorts of crazy NFL scoops. Right. They're sort of they're sort of willing to break the laws of journalism. They're useful. They're not like yeah. good people. Yeah. But if you mess if you're a celebrity and you mess up <laughs> Sorry. I did it earlier today. Hit the microphone. It was headbutted it. But if you mess up, TMC is just right there. Oh. They're they're ready to pounce. Yeah, they're hiding out in the bushes. And in your closets, folks. They're ready to go. So they get the story first. But I don't think there is actually a TMZ reporter on the scene. I think what happened is Smollett and his publicist called them. Yeah. And the initial reaction was, and this is what I mean by tribalism, not just compassion and tears and love for Smollett. Nope. It was, 
oh, what happened to him is part of this larger problem with you, President Trump, and the hate that you've sown. This is, this is why you have to have power in responsible hands, not hate-filled orange hands. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, wow, Cory Booker, that was really the perfect time to talk about your anti-lynching bill, wasn't it? Yeah. That's the con- that's a, there's two conspiracies here that I think are the most intriguing, outside of the fact that this whole thing very probably was a hoax. Right. At the very least, two acquaintances of his that he was friends with did this awful thing to him. If he didn't have any knowledge of it, Two people he was acquainted with did something terrible. Right. At 2 a.m. in an empty financial district in the city of Chicago, where it was freezing cold where it was negative 10 degrees or yeah. something. Yeah. Either he thought he was going to get written off the show and he didn't want to get written off the show. Mm. So, was it, is it CBS? ABC, no, Fox. Fox? It's Fox. Yeah, Fox isn't going to write the guy off the show after he's the victim of a hate crime. Or. Since he's quote unquote good friends with Cory Booker and I want to say Kamala Harris. Yeah, Kamala Harris. Those two were the ones that co wrote the anti lynching bill. Yeah, and they said this was like a modern day lynching. Mm-hmm. That was their original tweets. That's really just perfect timing for them to, hey, check out this anti lynching bill. Oh, and also, you know what threw me off? And I'm not the type to immediately go, oh, hoax, because I'm on this new kick of like, I wasn't there. I don't know. And I think that's a perfectly acceptable thing to say. Like, too many people want to jump to conclusions, but others called it. This is a hoax. What made me think, all right, there's something wrong here, is the guys also yelled, this is MAGA country, mofo or whatever. Like, I hang around Trump people all day, every day. Do they say MAGA? Not really. Or do they? they The only time I hear MAGA from Trump people when we mention a MAGA hat. Okay. But they'll say, make America great again. I've heard people say that. I've heard people say, Trump on. Oh, my God. Really? On the Trump train. I've heard God, Emperor Trump. I've heard all sorts of things. Yeah. But. Trump on? Yeah, that's uh, Charles Hollis. Charles will call up and be like, hey, Joey. Off air. Trump on. All right. Okay, Charles. Roll Tide. Yeah. Charles is a big fan of Trump. It's a whole humor. Yeah, Trump on Charles. Whatever. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've hung around all sorts of, like, Trump people, and I've never heard one of them go, this is MAGA country. Because apparently another TMZ report came out later, and this is when it really started to jump the shark. One of the neighbors thinks she saw two rednecks <laughs> in the financial district of Chicago. How, how can she see them <laughs> if it's the fine? No one lives in that district. As right. far as I know, Not it's many. empty after, like, 8 p.m. Right. So it turns out that... Much less, even if it was occupied, no one would... What are you doing on the street in Chicago, in the financial district, at 2 a.m., in the coldest Chicago's been in years? <laughs> right. Justin, what are you doing? <laughs> Call just, an Uber. But our lesson, I think, for tonight is, like, how quick and how disposable people are. And what's happening is that people aren't actually being themselves. Like, when Cory Booker puts that crap out, when Kamala Harris says something, when Nancy Pelosi she says actually, something... She, she didn't mention the bill. Kamala didn't. No, she didn't mention the bill, but she did say this was a, like a modern-day near lynching in her initial tweet. Mm-hmm. 
So and then Corey went full on politician. Like, well, I have a bill. They actually, if you put their tweets side by side, they actually had the same sentence in both of their tweets, and then said something else. Right. So I'm not sure if there's like a a group chat, right, with like publicists. Like, we think this polls really well. <laughs> right. I don't know well, why Trump would say something like that. That, that was a terrible... This uh, polls very powerfully. It polls very powerfully, very beautifully. We run the best polls. <laughs> the greatest polls. <laughs> I have the greatest polls ever. <laughs> They're doing very well. Anyway, it makes you wonder, folks. You know, we talk about how narcissistic politicians are, how big their egos must be. Yeah. to want to seek high office in any way. But I don't think that's actually the problem because there are a lot of people with big egos that try to run huge companies, that try to become big stars in other ways. I don't think it's just an overinflated ego that that narcissism and that can obviously be an issue. I think it's more something I've thought about. And even on my humble perch, just my hour a day doing a show with my name on it, where does, like, how much do you share... And it also goes the other way. Does your on-air persona become who you are off-air? Like, who are you? I think every person that's in the public eye has to think about that. Like, who are you actually? There's your ego. There's this unconscious part of you. And I think to be a whole self is to have everything in balance. And I think what happens in politics is whether it's the public figures, the politicians themselves, or it's people commenting and tweeting and on the book of faces, they let a persona take over and an ideology take over. And I think this happened to me for a little while, where I wasn't Joey in my fullest sense. I was Mr. Joey Libertarian guy. That's all I talked about and all I cared about. And I'm like, that's not me. And I'm not, but what that leads to is you're not allowed to go, well, maybe there is some room for like a little bit of a welfare state. No, that's taxation is theft. We can't allow that and these moochers to take off from the productive in society. I mean, you, you tow the party line. Yeah. And there's too much of that crap to where now even people reacting to the latest twist in the Smollett case are like, well, at least he started an important conversation. That's one of the moves. Really? Yeah. I've, I've heard that with other ones. I haven't heard that with this one. That yet. was initially, that was the end of last week before we had what came out today, where okay. it's clearly the Nigerian brothers yeah. like gave up to the police. Yeah, we were paid to do something. Now, I'm wondering if and they here's, were... Here's, and they gave them the phone records that Justin didn't get. Right. So that made it even clearer. But so what would happen is last week they're going, well, at least Jesse Smollett started a, an important conversation about hate and racism and homophobia in our society. Now that it's kind of clear this is a hoax, it's like, how dare he besmirch this important conversation we're supposed to be having against the bad orange man in the White House? Like, it's always back to... My position is the correct one, and it's also this. It's not just, and I've seen libertarians do this, I've seen conservatives do it, I've seen people on the left. You can argue over who's the worst in this regard, and that's a fine argument. But I've seen everybody sort of say, hmm, not only is that rock-hard principle correct, and I'm going to spin it to whatever way I can make sure everybody knows it's correct, it also means... Oh, Troy, you seem like a middle-of-the-road guy. You're not a libertarian. It means I'm morally better than you. You know what I mean? 
the moral superiority police. You know, I've been called worse by better people. <laughs> That's usually my go-to response. <laughs> That's a good one. I yeah, I can I can totally see what you're saying. The problem with being in the middle of the road is trying not to be relativistic. Right. Because it's much easier to come up with a succinct way to organize your thoughts in anything, really, be it religion, politics. The only thing would be, what, science? You can't, I mean, there's no... There's some of it unless, in science. Unless you're talking about, like, string theory versus quantum theory or something like that. There's some things in science where I've had my eyes open to it. That if you are a scientist that's going against mainstream, established scientific opinion, but you actually are backing it up with a new theory, mm-hmm. you're going to get crapped on a lot. And eventually, if you're correct, you, the truth will win out in science. We have those that process in place. But, I mean, I've seen people that were questioning, like, anthropology, like the nature of hunter-gatherers. And new discoveries discoveries come around. Like, what we were taught in school was, okay, uh, people were able to build up enough resources to give them enough leisure time to create religion and to create culture. I remember being taught that in school. And yeah. what it seems like is more the case is the religious impulse, the impulse to add, the impulse to go, what's more, was more likely the organizing principle for people to do things together. Yeah, that would take tribes of small groups of people, a few hundred people, and that religious cause would bring them together to build huge monuments and start congregating together and discussing more. And yeah. new discoveries have shown, like uh, what is it, Gobekli Tepe in modern-day Turkey. It was a, when that was discovered, they're like, what in the world? This predates hunter-gatherer society. The, the, the issue is... Well, it's not really an issue. Let me. I'm sorry. It's not an issue. Just me being specific. Yeah. The problem is, in three sentences there, you literally just went over 10,000 years. Right. Like, it wasn't like right. one day we had religion, and then... One day, that religion allowed groups of people to come together. Right. You have It's a long process. That was like 10,000 years. It's a messy process. Yeah. And there were still warring tribes. There were still tribes that died out and competing uh, religious thought and Mm -hmm. all sorts of things going on. But to your point, in science, at least there's a correcting principle to even if 99% of scientists are like, this is the correct science, and the 1% turns out to be right when they challenge it. The correcting principle of scientific theory. Yes, there is room for a correct, yeah. yeah, for there to be correction. Even if 99% are saying you're wrong, eventually the truth will out. Yeah, It's much more difficult to do that in politics and religion. Unless you pick a side. Right. It becomes a lot easier to organize your thoughts if you pick a side. If you pick a side. I'll let the ideology do my thinking for me. Precisely. Now, we actually, I think, in this country, figured out a way to allow religion to correct itself. It's called freedom. I suppose that's true. That allows people not in the religion to find religions that they can agree with. They can agree with or create. Yes. When you create it, freedom of religion in this country... And don't get me wrong, folks. If you say I'm a different church than the majority, I guess the majority around here is Southern Baptist. I mean, some people will look at you weird. Like, what are you saying there? That's odd. 
Like, I mean, if you grow up like I did in a Catholic community and you start saying weird things, even if you're saying them honestly as a kid, some people will look at you weird. Let's let's be real though. If it if it was Southern Baptists we were talking about, they wouldn't say anything to our face. They would, they would say it behind our back. <laughs> Well, that's just Montgomery. That's a sweeping generalization, Joey. <laughs> but I think that's just Montgomery, not a particular religion. That's, that's just yeah, the South. I, yeah, I suppose that's that's more than likely true. Yeah, though up north they'll say it to your face with a few curse words. But my point is, even though you get a lot of social pressure and heat, and that will always exist, yeah. politically speaking, we came up with the mechanism to say freedom of thought and speech is completely allowed. That's a cornerstone of our society. And what's happened in the last 200, nearly 300 years since that principle has been upheld. Religions flourished in many regards. Not just the religions at the time of the founding of this country, but new religions and understandings have popped up. And it's allowed them to change a great bit. Some of it, I think, isn't great. When you have freedom, it doesn't mean it'll be utopia. But it's allowed for people to correct things or at least have their own space to explore their spirituality and the biggest questions we've all faced. I think one of the biggest parts that you see that with is in uh, that, that Satanistic Satanism church in Arkansas that put up that monument. Yeah, they put up a Baphomet. Yeah, right next to yeah. a religious monument, another a Christian, right. Judeo-Christian monument. and. Even if I might disagree with that, mm-hmm. although I guess it's very unnerving, have, uh, like walking up to the city, there's a and there's a Baphomet right there. Um, what the hell are we doing here, guys? Literally, what the hell are we doing here? That's true, but when you're me and you have the discography of the Mars Volta, the imagery <laughs> in there is nothing compared to a Baphomet, right. but like mixed with old like Central American myths and oh man, yeah, crazy stuff. Even if I might disagree with the core tenets of Satanism, mm. although, based on my reading of it, it's treat others as you want to be treated. It's the golden rule. Except there's a lot more revenge. It's weird, like, and there's a... Well, I think that's different than the occult, which is what the full... Do what you will is the full extent of the law. Yeah. Th- yeah is, Satanism is like, do unto others as you would have done unto yourself. part of me But if they mess with you... You have enact vengeance. Uh, I'm talking Ender's game. Ugh. Yeah, go full Ender. Well, and a lot of that stuff, and other atheist groups, it just seems like... I, I looked up a, a fascinating map. I think the Cato Institute put one together, where all the cases right now over religion are happening in the country, usually around public schools. And remember, here in the River Region, there's a big hubbub over... The band at Holtville is going to play Amazing Grace, like, instrumentally. They're not even going to sing it. People want to sing like they can, but and somebody wanted to sue them. Like, it's a song. Yeah. Like, it, it, it doesn't bother me one bit. Like, and who should that? See, the statue doesn't bother me. Right. In fact, I think that's, if, if a religious group is going to be able to express themselves... It should be any religious group. Mm-hmm. That being said... Freedom of expression. That being said, there should be at least a little bit of limit on expression. A Baphomet, if it were, say, <laughs> an Islamic group, and they just had a vest with Simtex, fake Simtex. No. Right. Don't know. Right. Well, no, and I think, and I need to look into this, the courts do have a way... 
where they distinguish what gets established as a recognized religion. That's yeah. And because, so you just can't like I think one guy started up uh, the Church of the Spaghetti Monster. Mm-hmm. And, and there was a there was a kind of a decent startup of a, the Star Wars religion. Right. Of like the Force. The Jedi religion. Yeah. yeah, and so like but I'm all for freedom. Like if you want to make whether or not you're tax exempt beside the point to me. If you're going to start a religion, how are you not going to fill out a 501c3? Well, you gotta get going. And at least the little bit of nonprofit law I took in college, you gotta. I've got like, copies of five hundred one c threes, just blank copies, ready to rock. Okay. <laughs> I'm not starting one. I don't, I'm I'm down with cheap heat, like wearing this bandana <laughs> on my head. I'm not starting that type of heat. Not in this city. Not by any means. But I don't have five hundred one c threes. Okay, good. Makes me sad. But my point is not to get too off the beaten path. Is we figured it out in this country, and we should remember it. Sometimes we forget at times in these heated battles over what should be taught in public schools and what sh- where freedom of expression is fully allowed, blah, 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 blah. But for the most part, we've gotten freedom and freedom of religious expression and belief absolutely right because that al- allows room for people to actually argue over these things. Yeah. That's not something that we teach very well. In terms of, you said, allowing to argue. Mm. We don't teach people why something is. Not enough. We just say that it is. And we don't teach why it is. Like, if if I'm starting a school, I will teach religion and I will teach science. Yeah. I will, I mean, since it's my school, I will obviously pick and choose what aspects of religion I'm going to teach. And I will... Like if you're a Catholic school, you'll teach more Roman Catholicism, right. or if you're or Southern Baptist or Methodist, whatever. But the rather faith than is. rather than forcing the faith or strictly the science down someone's throat, I will force both of them down their throats. <laughs> if you and, join my school, yeah. And I will say, listen, here's this side of the story. Here's this side of the story. Now, here's an entire class to talk about why those sides exist. Hmm. And it could be anything from ordering your life to early civilization survival to as we sort of evolve in our intellect, go into how science has taken over a way to order life, not in how to live your life, but in how life is lived. See, but I think here's where the actual argument is. Okay. Science often thinks of the world as a world of, of stuff, of things different objects, different forces. Whereas it hasn't, and it tries, I mean, you do have psychology, you do have behavioral science. It's working on, like, what is the nature of consciousness? Science is working on the world of action. But you kind of can look at the world in two ways. There's a world of stuff, like things. The natural. Right, and then there's the world of action. Like, the human being enters into that world of things and decides, I'm going to take this thing and move it this way, or I'm going to... I'm going to group people together towards this collective action. That's where I think most of our arguments these days are really breaking down. There there would be, in my school, there would be a great way to approach that, and that would be actually in a coding class. A coding? Learn to code? Yes. Well, you learn... You'd be banned on Twitter now. I don't care. You you learn the basics of coding languages. Yeah. And even if it's just talking about what the language is, whether it's object-based or whatever, 
that can bring about a different philosophical debate on how we understand things. And if I agree, if you're able to do that, if you're able to get people to think outside of, well, it's either religion or science or a specific topic, if you're able to get them to, I guess, critically is the word I'm looking for, think about why something is, then that would give them a greater understanding not only of what they're talking about, but how to express themselves. We might have speech classes that allow people to get over, say, a fear of public speaking, or at least become comfortable in an environment where they speak relatively freely. But what we don't have is a good way to get people to organize their thoughts. We can teach people how to write a paper, right? and we can give them, say, here's an outline of what to do, but we don't teach them how to organize their thoughts. Right. Not to begin with. And I mean, that is really the world of action you're talking about. Right. Like, how do you orient yourself? The the big questions, like, what's the meaning of life? Well, what, let's start, what's the meaning of my life? Like, how am I to engage with other people? Why is there anything at all? Like, I mean, these are big questions. It's why I think uh, you need religion. But where we're breaking down is over the political discussion. Yeah. Where there is becoming less and less freedom over that course of political action. And I think what it's leading to is, especially in places where traditional faith is not strong, where people are would consider themselves secular or whatnot, I think they are looking towards politics as to, to fill that void. And I think that's a really, really, really bad idea. To, to fill that void, of, by, like, by which you mean establishing... As they establish their identity, mm-hmm. they attach their identity to a particular train of thought. Yes. It, especially in politics. If, say, they're, they're raised Catholic and they lose their belief in Roman Catholicism. Instead of going to a different church or you know, reading philosophy and reading a lot of other religious texts, they instead go, mm, I'm going to jump into this political party. And that's what's going to order me and give me purpose. And Yeah. I think that's going on a lot, and that's where you see a lot of the stringent belief that it almost doesn't make any sense. Especially on on the farther sides of the political spectrum. Yes, on the far left and the far right. Like, I, I don't want to... Okay, I'll say it. Those two sides, the far on both. I, I, I ascribe to the horseshoe theory here, Yeah, uh, that they're actually closer than the people in the middle. I agree. However... And they're usually collectivists. They identify as a group. The, the not pre- as individual. The predatory nature of their ideology allows people who might find themselves to be lost to quickly find meaning. Mm-hmm. Much quicker than, say, just kind of taking it at a, a day at a time. Right. And I, I think that's why you see swells in the left and the right. You know, it's up and down, obviously. It's like a, it's a wave function. Right. But, well, tribes... That's what, well, new ones are being made every day, essentially, folks. It's not just the Democrats and Republicans. There's all these little subset groups within Democrats and Republicans, the left and the right. There it, there really are. Like, I, I've met plenty of Democrats, and none of them have struck me as, like, the idiots on Twitter that get their panties in a wad over people using the wrong words. Did you just assume my underwear? What, are you wearing boxers instead? Uh, briefs, sir. Oh, well... Well, it's good for support. Yeah. Boxer briefs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's what I'm wearing, too. Now that you know that, we're going to hit this break, folks. Be right back.
Joey Clark. Justice, folks. D A N C E. Is this a woman worldwide edit? Yes. Okay. This this is the most disco version of that song. It's so good, and I love it. This is one of Troy and I's favorite electronic bands when we were in college. They're coming out with a space opera. They're coming out with a space opera. Yes, sir. Wow. Like an opera set in space. I don't know. They, they released a teaser video for it. Okay. It's like eight seconds, and it just says a space opera. You know, sometimes the French get something right. Yeah. I mean, they went a little too far with the guillotine. Well. And with the Napoleon and all that, the little man inferiority, com- inferiority complex taken over. That's but. true. And, you know, they, they've lost... I think they've won more wars than they've lost. But Have they? But they've lost a lot recently. Well, it's just, they're a meme. Yeah, they lost a lot. Anyway, folks, the show's been... God bless the French resistance. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Back in, that was... Better than Vichy France or whatever the hell. Yeah. Ugh. Collaborating with the Nazis. Of course, if they had won, we'd probably be saying something different. It's possible. But before we get into Sorry. more conversation, I just need to remind folks that the show is brought to you by Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. Good man. Down-to-earth guy. And he's changed his own life. He was working a 9-to-5 job, sometimes overtime. And he was telling his fellow employees that, you know, one day I'll, I'm going to get out of here. When I buy my 10th house, I'll be done. I'll be bringing in enough income. And by the time he did that, he would buy a property... Rent it out. Buy another property, rent it out. And his friends at the job he was working reminded him, isn't that your 10th one? He said you're going to quit. He's like, yeah, they did. And he quit because he had changed his own life by investing in real estate. He then went to the real estate school of Bo Goodson, of the Goodson Group, became a real estate agent. He's been helping people since then buy homes, especially first-time home buyers, or sell their home. And because he's been around the block several times when it comes to real estate, he knows the pitfalls you should avoid and the extra mile you should go, especially if you're selling. Here's just before you even put it on the market. Do this renovation. Do this repair. You'll be able to ask a much higher price. Here's how you do a successful open house. It'll get it off the market very quickly. If you have somebody like Eddie Bader in your corner, whether you're buying or selling a home, you can make the process go much smoother than it can go. I've heard nightmare stories, but also because Eddie is helping people buy and sell, he can connect people. He can show you options. So give him a call, 322-0662. Again, that number, 322-0662 for Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. 
So, where were we? Tribalism. Tribalism. Yes. Have you heard of, and he's been on all sorts of podcasts. I think he has his own podcast, uh, Sebastian Younger. No, but I'm, I'm not big in the, the podcast scene. You should be. I'm just, I'm going to argue that you should because it's cool to on, jump in on a conversation. On principle, I don't like the binary nature of should statements. Oh, you know to state I'm... that something is while it simultaneously isn't is... Do you like conversation? Sure. Like, if I told you there is now a podcast version, it goes back to the BBC days of the Mighty Boosh, would you listen to it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And some podcasts are silly like that crap. Well, then there's like Hardcore History, which is amazing. Dan Carlin's Hardcore History is amazing. And it's oh, it takes a while to listen to those. I mean, he does four or five-hour episodes. Those are incredible. Sebastian Younger's been on all sorts of different podcasts. He, is, he, is he like a... Is he an academic? No, I believe he served. He was like a Navy SEAL or something. Okay. And then he did a documentary called Restrepo that was... I've seen that. Yes. He's the one who... Directed it? Uh, yes. Okay. Producer directed. He He's like the mind behind putting that together. Yeah. There was another one, too. Yes, that he also did. Uh, wasn't as good as Restrepo. But he came out with a book called Tried. Okay. Now, I don't agree with every aspect of the book. Like, if... You read that book and you're like, okay, in order for us to gain more respect for those who have served and gone through hell in war is to reinstate the draft. I'm all like, I think a voluntary military force is a virtue because it's people actually choosing to sign up and give their life as opposed to, you know, that's, that's we're going to make you. That's a really good point. And in the case of America, though, a, a voluntary military force... But with a gigantic budget. Yes. You sort of need that stability. Right. Right. But he does point out a very important thing. That a lot of these guys who go through hell, uh, he thinks the reason they come back and are experiencing PTSD isn't just they went through a major trauma or they behaved in a way they never thought they could. Like, they had to be incredibly violent in a terrible situation in order to survive, and they're having trouble dealing with that. He said it's also that they lost their tribe. You come back into normal American society, and it's like, yeah, get a job. Go live in your suburban house. And you don't have that same bond and brotherhood that you did when you were surviving and fighting in war. And that's what they often are missing the most, is that strong, connective bond. And his claim is that this is evolutionary, that this, and he kind of extends it beyond just people who have served and come back and are dealing with psychological issues or whatnot, is that think about as the more prosperous society becomes, um, the more opportunity we have given that prosperity, uh, suicide rates have gone up. Now, maybe the stats aren't as good, we couldn't figure it out back then. But an interesting thing is this, that you don't see a lot of, let's say, school shooters in poor urban areas. Because people in poor urban areas are dealing with everyday violence. They're, they're not going to shoot up a school because they could get shot up in their home. Right. They've, they've just seen it up right. close already. Whereas it's usually a rich kind of suburban area where these sort of things happen. And so the idea is that people are becoming alienated and that we're not... Well, and this goes back to our discussion about religion, about politics. People are running to politics in order to give them a, a feeling of being 
part of a tribe, part of a group. Uh, they're running to different face, some better than others in my assessment. But what you really need is, if you think about most of human history, it's you had a tribe of 100, if that. And if you think about your own life, folks, how many people do you actually, even if you had the biggest bleeding heart in the world, can you actually care about? Like, you could say, I care about all the poor kids, the billions of people suffering. Right. And in the abstract, I would agree with that, too. But do you actually care about the kid across the world in the same way you care about your own son or daughter? Or the next-door neighbor who's having a lot of trouble? Of course not. If it, What's interesting, and this got brought up in those YouTube videos with Sam Harris. Yeah, uh, and Jordan Peterson. Yeah, when you add another person to that image yeah like so you have the young girl in africa that needs help for 25 cents a day or whatever right that's a it's a lot easier to get people to do that than it is to say she also has a younger brother that needs help and then it comes to find out you know there's a whole thousands of people of people that need that help you all of a sudden become oh i'm all right well, you, I think like I'm not gonna, it's daunting. Yeah. It's like, how can I alone help all these people? I could help that one little girl, but can I help these thousands of people? Now, some people have come up with amazing ways to help those thousands of people. Instead of direct aid, how about we hook up with this company, get it running in this village, and find a water well so they don't have to walk hundreds of yards every day to go find water that isn't even clean it's causing all sorts of cancers and other diseases so if we can make that happen charity water is a group i have become familiar with they're doing incredible work so there's that sort of thing but yes it's it's daunting you don't have we don't have the capacity as individuals to think of everybody in the world it's just not possible there's only so much if you want to think of it like a computer RAM and memory space in your in your body and in your mind. Yeah. It's I mean, well, I was gonna take a geo- geometrical approach. It's it's one to two dimensions. We rarely think in three dimensions. Right. So person to person, you could say that's either one dimension or two dimensions if you want to go into planes or whatever. But it's it, rarely are we thinking about a conversation in terms of draping a fabric over two points and then plotting the third dimension on the z-axis right so when you start adding say instead of a person that you want to help it's an entire group of people from you to all of those people is each an entire separate point and that's to me where the daunting part comes in well and this is just charity Imagine if you're thinking of collective action for a nation of 300, 400 million people like Mm -hmm. the United States. It becomes very difficult to think in terms of individuals, even though that is what strong individuals that have their crap together, who can look out for themselves and for others, is what makes strong community. Did you hear about that power lifter, by the way? There was a guy in Detroit, a power lifter. Mm -hmm. There was a car that had smashed a guy in between... He was stuck in between the car and the stop sign, and the dude lifted the car off of him. That's amazing. That's a strong guy. Yes. Well, he didn't. He didn't superhero it. He lifted it up, and then the other people that were there were like, "Okay, we can out. get him out." Yeah. Wow. Talk about being in the right place at the right time. Right. And those individual stories, I still think that if you want to change the world, don't think of the entire world. Think of what's like right in front of you. Mm-hmm. 
and it'll have ripple effects beyond what you can even imagine. Yeah. I, I think that is the best approach. But if you're trying to think of collective huge problems, like let's say politics, because you can't think of every person's individual, unique, whole self, like all their unconscious history, all the things they've been through in their life, like all their their ego as it's developed, all this stuff. Instead, start to think in shorthands. You start to think of not only your own persona, but other people's persona. So if you say you're on the side of Donald Trump, you like Donald Trump, you like what Trump's doing, you like the wall, and all these sort of things like that, and you think of the other side, unless you actually know a Democrat, like they're in your family or something, you might still get pissed at them, but you still know, oh, that's my, my, my niece. It's my nephew. I, I knew them as a baby. You're probably not going to have hatred for that person. But you can't think of the millions of other people who didn't vote for Trump and vote for Hillary. So what do we do? And this goes the other way. Maybe you voted for Hillary and you're trying to think of all these Trump supporters. You have to create these shorthands to try to make sense of the world. And often these shorthands in our politics today are very uncharitable, to put it nice, to the point of as soon as you see, say, an alleged hate crime in Chicago at 2 in the morning at minus 10 temperatures, you immediately think, mm, I hope not, oh, I hope that guy's okay. No, this is what the right wing does when they get power, and this is what Trump has wrought. I was just talking about this the other day. This proves my point, see? Right. It's like this everywhere. Is it? Yeah, it plays into a simplistic narrative that, again, leads people to think, hmm, I am morally superior. And that's tough enough. Like, if it's a small group of people and you don't know that group of people 100 miles away and you're first meeting each other, that's tough enough to bridge. But when you know that there are millions of people who are Americans and yet instead of trying to say, well... At least we all agree on these basic values. That's out the window now. But is 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 that not the power of groupthink? Yeah. There, if if you're attaching, say, your personal identity to an ideology, and it, whether it's through memetics or just the simple nature of how discourse runs through either the left or the right or philosophy or whatever. Yeah. The power of groupthink allows you. It, it does the thinking for you. Yeah. So you can just go, oh, that's what the group's doing? All right. And then there are some gatekeepers who, like, tell you the latest thing. They're second-handers. I would consider myself, many a time, because I'm not, like, the president, and I'm not also I'm not your senator. And I'm, I try not to just be a second-hander. It's like, here's the news today, and here's what this, this side says. I try to have conversations like we're having tonight. But I guess I'm in that group, if I'm going to put myself in that group, of people that are trying to have real conversations in the public square. Yeah. And that makes... I mean, it's... I, I, I'll say it's it's rather noble. Yeah, I suppose. It also, I find it more interesting. If I'm being selfish, I get bored just towing a party line. Well, when, when you were being Joey the Libertarian... Yeah. Was it not easier to allow you, as an individual, to connect to a collective... Yes. ...when there was sort of a focus to the scope of that ideology or identity absolutely so while it did you, my thinking for me while it's doing the thinking for you you are also acting on that are you not to a degree and by acting on it you were then connecting with other people other people yeah but it's such a specific connection that it ostracizes the rest of the people that are not involved with that group yep how do we fix that 
I think the way we fix that, and I, it, surprisingly, I've noticed it in certain parts of libertarian circles. People that are sort of, and I noticed it in any sort of alternative group. It doesn't have to be libertarian. But any group that's experienced being on the fringe. Right. Like, I, I saw a panel at that conference I went to. It was one guy who was like, I'm an anarchist. I think we can do everything from a common law tradition. That would work well. I think we could have more of a limited government than the Constitution gives us, but... You know, I'm kind of happy with the Constitution, too. And then the other guy's like, I love the Constitution. I think it's a perfect mix of checks and balances. And they're all sitting there smiling and laughing and having a good faith conversation. Yeah. And then I would meet people, you know, away from the official panels and conferences, and we would just talk about our lives and connect. And what you found was, like, a general same principles, but a lot of different ways to apply it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think actually the guy, uh, oh my God, I'm, I'm forgetting his name now, uh, Nozick, Robert Nozick, I believe, he essentially said libertarianism is like the political philosophy of political philosophies. That if you take those basic principles, you can get a lot of different types of things. The basic point would be under a libertarian order, if you wanted to have your like socialist commune that was voluntary, you can. Like, if you wanted to have your weird little, you know, town where you all praised one, like, head priest, I guess you can, as long as it stayed voluntary. Mm-hmm. So, it, I think that does leave room, and it's also what our country is, classical liberalism, is vaguely founded on. I still believe in freedom. I'm just not towing, like, the... When I, I was being libertarian, Joey was more like, taxation is theft, the non-aggression principle. I would just come out stringent. Trump and shouldn't be you know, declaring a national emergency today. I still don't like it, I think but I'm starting to try to see, like, what's the momentum here? Why would, yeah. why would Barack Obama, George W. Bush, and Donald Trump all run on peace and a humble foreign policy, and then more war happens? Like, I'm starting to realize the world is a lot more complicated than our freaking ideologies and our politics. There's a lot more depth and nuance to it that leads people to sometimes looking like hypocrites when they're really just trying to do the best they can. Yeah, or they've changed their mind over a period of time. Exactly. But if... We're out of time. Okay. If the world is nuanced, Joey, how can we put ourselves in the corner? Because that's the best way to... It's an easiest way to... I would say direct it's the our easiest action. Way. The easiest way to direct our action.